Have you ever been haunted? Have you ever had a ghostly experience? Um, well, when I was a kid, I used to think that um, I could see ghosts in my house. The house that I lived in was a two family and the um, not the side that we lived in, but the side that our neighbors lived in next door had burned down and like a guy had died inside it. And so I like super duper thought that my house was haunted. And I always saw like ghosts and they were always like right around the edges of like walls and corners and stuff. But then um, it turned out that I just needed glasses. That's a great ghost story. Thank you. Have you ever been haunted? No. Well, kind of a letdown. I did do a ghost tour once. Oh, okay. In Gettysburg. That was kind of cool. Aside from like being like, ooh, there's ghosts. Like it was historically, it was very interesting to see. And yeah. There was one part, I don't like, I don't know if it was manufactured or not, but they talked about like, like the soldiers and stuff would use pipe tobacco, like cherry flavored pipe tobacco before jewels were invented. The original vape. would be ripping some mad cotton on there cherry flavored pipe tobacco but we were like outside in a field and they're like oh you smell it and i was like yeah i do smell it it was a little weird but i don't think it was like ghost yeah it was cool i would recommend it It it's a cool thing to do gettysburg is a cool place yeah my grandma went to college there with jerry spinelli wow so did mine wait really no oh okay (laughs) i was convinced for a second (laughs) you really brought me into the fiction (laughs) i'm just that compelling i'm a storyteller mine did not well can't all have grandmas who went to college in gettysburg with jerry spinelli some of us got to get the short end of that stick (laughs) so this is meet cute a show where we talk about all the places that art and science intersect i'm lauren and i'm good at math even though i'm a woman uh, I'm Lee, and I'm not good at math, even though I'm a woman. And today we're going to be talking about paranormal activity. Ooh. I'm going to go first. Go for it. So I started looking into paranormal activity and ghost hunting and how people actually do ghost hunting and pretend that it's real science. And they use a lot of like scientific equipment. To make it seem like it's science, like they'll use like, um, like thermal imaging cameras or uh, air quality monitoring equipment or Geiger counters and things like that, thermometers, cameras. But they don't follow like the the scientific method of here's a hypothesis. We're gonna gather data and analyze it sort of thing so they don't follow that scientific method so it's not really real science it's considered pseudoscience so then i was like okay let me look into the actual science that people are doing actual research that's happening into paranormal activity and hauntings and i found some really cool information so basically i think i'm going to talk about two main research projects, two main guys that are doing research in these fields, and they do kind of similar research, but the research is largely focused on environmental factors and how they affect people's psychology. 
So certain things in the environment can make people think that they're being haunted, even if they're not, or make them more paranoid that they're being haunted. Um, so the, f- the first guy that I found is actually my honors thesis mentor in college. And I remember him talking to me about this in passing, but he he's an environmental engineering professor. Um, and so his research is focused on indoor air quality and particularly indoor air quality as it pertains to like old houses that have molds in them. Um, but this is like unpublished research. He hasn't um hasn't been like peer reviewed it hasn't gone through that sort of end of the scientific process so this is still really early sneak peek still yeah real early uh research that looks at the links between places that are perceived as being haunted and like the presence of toxic molds that have like psychological effects on people so like in 2015 this story really kind of exploded for him I remember him saying like yeah I was interviewed like every other day people were calling me to like set up an interview for this project and he started calling it mold busters and (laughs) it's just a real like a really quirky but really interesting kind of research project he reported that the stories of hauntings were similar to neurological symptoms of people that are exposed to toxic molds so he's been doing research into like He's been traveling to lots of old houses that I think particularly in northern New York that are haunted, but then also having to take the same samples from places that aren't haunted from similar buildings, right? Because that's that's how the scientific method kind of prompts you, you know, your your baseline versus your haunted place. Um, There's still a lot of research that he has left to do, but he reported that, quote, Hauntings are very widely reported phenomena that are not really researched. They are often reported in older built structures that may also suffer poor air quality. Similarly, some people have reported depression, anxiety, and other effects from exposure to biological pollutants in indoor air. We are trying to determine whether some reported hauntings may be linked to specific pollutants in the air. So he's he hasn't, I mean, he hasn't obviously released his results yet, but is there any correlation at all so far, or...? Yeah, he's not really said. I I think it the research for him really exploded in 2015, but he hasn't really done. It's not at the forefront of what he's researching now, in terms of other research projects that he has going. But I think he did report that there are like higher mold counts total in places that are haunted than places that aren't haunted. Okay. Um. Does is this does he have like a website where this is going up or it's just i mean if you would just google like shane rogers haunting shane rogers mold shane rogers mold then you can buy one on etsy that i made for eight (laughs) hundred dollars a mold of shane rogers yeah and like everything that comes up is okay so it's all kind of older reports on it because it was from like 2015 but there is some more out there that's cool but it's something that's like really crazy to me that I never like had thought of, I guess. I don't know how he put these two and two together that like, oh, molds make people feel uneasy, like has all these psychological effects on people. That's similar to how people feel when they're being haunted. 
Right. So the second batch of research that I was reading about had to do with electromagnetic fields, um, which is actually something that ghost hunters measure when they're trying to track paranormal activity inside of a building, is this electromagnetic field. Yes, EMF exists pretty much anywhere where electricity or electronic devices exist. And I think in recent years, there's been a lot of research into how things like computers and tablets and smartphones interact with your physical health. Okay. Whether, like, you know, the the radio waves that are coming off of those devices are impacting your health physically. Yeah. Um, but this researcher, Michael Persinger, who is a Canadian researcher and passed away in, like, the last past August... Um, He studied more the mental health aspect and how electromagnetic fields interacts with your brain waves, which makes a lot of sense because the way that your brain works can be impacted with differing electromagnetic fields. Mm -hmm. He did research in a wide variety of disciplines, so I'm just going to read some of them to you because they're like literally taking two disciplines and just mashing the words together nice so here's the some of his other fields that he did research in Mm -hmm. quantum biophysics (laughs) geophysical and human interaction so how we interact with rocks yes like geodude (laughs) how we interact with geodude Geodude is a perfect example of geophysical and human interaction. (laughs) The pinnacle of his research was the Pokemon Geodude. At that same house that I used to live in, um, we had uh, bushes at the bottom of the backyard. And I had a Geodude that I got at McDonald's or something. And it got lost in those bushes. And I was like, well, he's gone. Goodbye. He's one with his rock brethren again. And then like three years later, my dad was down there like doing something. And he found Geodude. (laughs) It's my Geodude story. We all have a great Geodude story. (laughs) This has been Lee's Geodude Corner. (laughs) This has been Lee's geodude corner oh can we do lauren's grift corner real quick yeah of course okay so this week on lauren's grift corner i was in the bathroom at work and i'm gonna preface this by saying i'm very very poop shy i need to be private mm-hmm. need to keep it secret. My own keep bathroom. it safe keep it secret so i don't like to poop at work but i realized the door to the women's bathroom, the one women's bathroom that I use, on the ba- like on the inside of the door, there's like a sign that's magneted, that has a magnet that's stuck to the door, and it says, bathroom closed. So, the next time I feel like I have the urge to go, I'm going to use that sign and put it on the outside of the bathroom door to keep other people from coming in. That's You can do some like... Ocean's Eleven style crimes too that way, and the the like they'll just be like, well, I guess it's closed. They can't be in there. Oh, brew some potion, some polyjuice potion. There you go. No one will know. No one will ever know. I just need a hair of our CEO. Mm-hmm. For unrelated reasons. Yeah, 
course. And this has been Lauren's Grift Corner. Yeah, so back to Geodude. <laughs> As I will refer to this gentleman for the rest of time. <clears throat> okay, yes, back to Geodude. He also dabbled in physical cosmology. Okay. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I know I what physical either. is. I know what cos- cosmopolitan magazine is. You are a woman. As a woman. As a woman. As a woman. Oh, my God. Uh, one of his most interesting projects was nicknamed the God Helmet. Geodude. Where people... Yes. Geo, one of Geodude's most interesting projects was nicknamed the God Helmet. It was very effective. Where people who display complex... This is like in quotes. Where people display complex partial epilepsy from groups of creatives... People prone to hauntings and people who have experienced mechanical impact to their heads. What if I'm all three? Perfect. Yeah, so people that are creatives, people that are prone to having hauntings, and people who have had some sort of impact to their heads um, who display this partial epilepsy. Oh. Um, well, that disqualifies And me. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, well. No God helmet for you this time. No. Nope. Next go around. So he made this helmet that had different electronic nodes on it. And he'd put it on these people and change the dials to vary the electromagnetic fields that they're exposed to. To induce like an out-of-body slash godlike experience in their brains. Okay. Godlike is not a science word as far no. as I understand it as... It's not. Near as I can tell, that's something that isn't quantifiable. Yeah, I'm not sure how he quantified his research. Um, and I, But I think when people were exposed to certain patterns of weak EMF for 15 to 30 minutes, it can create, or it created the perception that there was someone present that wasn't in these people. Okay. So more, it's not in the same way as like a hallucinogen that they see someone present, but more so in the feeling that they sense that like there's someone around them that they can't see. Okay. So in the sense that like if they turned around, they would see someone there or that they thought that there was someone invisible in the room. More so the second one. Okay. Because there, there wasn't another person in the room, and it's not, it doesn't trick their eyes into seeing something different. It's just, like, their perception. So, like, you know how if you're, like, working at your desk, and you can, like, feel like someone's coming up behind you and looking at your, yeah. whatever you're doing? Yeah, like... It's like that, but there's no one there. It's just that, like, weird sixth sense of, like, perception of having someone around. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel that way sometimes, but I don't feel like, oh, there's someone invisible in the room. Like, I feel like if I turn around, I will see the person. Like, even if there's nobody there, like. Mm -hmm. Right. You could clarify if there was someone or or you wouldn't see someone. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, this must be a pretty strong sense if it's quantifiable by research and publishable by research. And it must be more of an an uneasy feeling, I think, of that there's someone around. 
there were some issues with the research with like placebo and people like responding to the suggestion that they would feel ghostly presence right right if you go into the research being like oh my let us know if you feel a ghost yeah but it's linked it's linked to hauntings in that way so this links back to our haunting and haunted places because places that have a reputation for being haunted have unusual levels of emf so that could his research wasn't specifically looking at the link between the haunted places and people's responses to those haunted places psychologically but just how emf interacts with people's brains okay so it's kind of reverse engineer like it's it's taking the idea of emf and hauntings and changing it from under us understanding it as correlation and changing our understanding of it to see that it's actually the causation rather than being like, yeah. oh, there's a haunting, which has which means that there's EMF and we're experiencing the haunting and the EMF correlates with the haunting. It's no, there's a high level of EMF for some other strange reason. And you're the sensation that you're experiencing is a direct result of that electromagnetic frequency that has nothing to do with ghosts it's just that that's how it affects your psyche exactly cool that's kind of the same with um shane rogers's research with the molds yes except that the molds i guess yeah it's kind of the same studying the brain i guess differently as it pertains to hauntings and what might be causing people to feel haunted rather than taking hauntings as being the proof of ghosts people also study what's called infrasound which is like similar to infrared light it has a lower wavelength it's the opposite of ultrasound right but it's um recently people mostly study it as it pertains to wind turbines and traffic noise and how it causes people to be disoriented or like not be able to sleep or you know but some people i think are studying infrasound too and how it pertains to hauntings because it's a similar like it's like a low like because you can't hear it because it's so low but you can like feel it in a way so makes you feel uncomfortable very cool um i didn't have as much luck on my end um i found some interesting stuff but as far as art goes like there's just it's just too big You know, there's just so Mm -hmm. much. Ghost stories have been around forever. The earliest known piece of writing about a haunted dwelling is Mostelaria. Um, It's a Roman play. Uh, The title is usually translated to be The Haunted House, um, even though that's not like a direct translation of it. Um, It was by uh, Titius Maxius Plautus, um, and he... I couldn't find like an actual publishing date um but he was alive uh, as far as i could tell from like 200 and between like 250 and 180 bce so this is like old older than ghosts yeah uh this is probably the oldest ghost the oldest ghost um i mean like it's probably it's like the oldest reference to a haunted house basically in literature yeah um and it's actually a comedy it's not like a horror story like it's actually it's really a farce um and the idea that the house is haunted is a ruse so like it's not even the story of an actual haunting 
which kind of implies that the idea of a haunted house had already been around long enough for it to be parodied. You know, so this can't be the first instance of this in literature or in writing. It's just the first one that we've found. Um, The story isn't really that interesting. Um, The premise is that while his father was away on business, this young man with a Greek name, it's set in Athens. I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'll call him Phil. Uh, while his dad's gone, Phil throws a bunch of parties, but mostly classic Phil. Classic Phil. Uh, most importantly, he borrows a bunch of money to free the slave girl he loves. Which, cool, classic uh, Phil. And so, surprise, his dad comes back early. It's a pretty standard farce. He has to come up with a lie to cover up all of the unseemly things he's been doing. Um, so he says their house is haunted, and then his debt collector shows up, and he's like, "Oh, I." borrowed all this money to buy the house next door which isn't haunted and like that's basically it like it all ends well for everybody uh but it's not like it's not that compelling of a story but the fact that it's a comedy rather than like oh no the house is haunted (laughs) is kind of interesting to me um ghosts have also been plot devices in literature forever um but they don't really start to get spooky in western literature until the victorian era Ooh, yes yeah which is when you get like ebenezer scrooge and stocking caps and candles on little plates and all that crap um i want to talk about mr james for a minute not for much longer than that, though, because regardless... I'm going to time you. Yeah, thank you. Because um, regardless of his contributions to literature, he kind of sucked as a person, in my opinion. So <laughs> I had no idea who this guy was before I started researching for this episode, because I'm not that into Victorian literature. Um, but he basically set up the formula for the modern ghost story. Most of his stories feature the discovery of an old book or other antiquarian object that somehow unlocks, calls down the wrath, or at least attracts the unwelcome attention of a supernatural menace, usually from beyond the grave. That's a quote. Um, So you find some old talisman and surprise, there's a ghost in it. That was M.R. James. Um, He was also a big fan of making the settings of his stories very modern and very, not necessarily commonplace, Um, they still usually had some aura of mystery about them, but like they weren't a place where it would be unusual for a scholar, as many of his main characters were to be like a university or a country estate. Like the idea that like this could happen to you, that was what he wanted to get at. So the way he put it in the foreword to one of his books was, uh, Two ingredients most valuable in the concocting of a ghost story are, to me, the atmosphere and the nicely managed crescendo. Let us then be introduced to the actors in a placid way. Let us see them going about their ordinary business, undisturbed by forebodings, pleased with their surroundings, and into this calm environment. Let the ominous thing put out its head, unobtrusively at first, and then more insistently until it holds the stage. So... That's the formula that we still use for ghost stories. You know, you move into a new house and, you know, oh, you start to notice something strange is going on here. But like, oh, whatever. It's probably nothing. Yeah. In the neighborhood. Yes, exactly. And then all of a sudden you realize too late that what's actually going on is a haunting and then you die. Um, So... I feel like I can't say that he sucked without kind of explaining why I think he sucked. Um, he was a pretty curmudgeonly guy when it came to his contemporaries. Not a fan of James Joyce. Not a fan of Aldous Huxley. Um, he just wasn't really super progressive. Um, he didn't like 
um, when uh, Thomas Henry Huxley was appointed as provost of Eton, where he taught um, because Huxley was agnostic and like a supporter of Darwin. You know, that old scoundrel. Mm -hmm. That was kind of just his bag. And now I want to not talk about him anymore. I want to instead uh, talk about ghosts in film. And a guy who I think was definitely not a jerk, um, George Melier. So George Melier, uh, in 1896, ghosts have been on film since film was invented. So like 1896, this is very, very early film. George Melier released The Haunted Castle. Um, It's a short film. It's only three minutes long. You can watch it online. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> like, it's it's very, very funny. It's very clever. Melier is most famous for his film, A Trip to the Moon. Um, like, if you've oh, ever yeah, seen... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you've ever yes, seen that image yes. of the moon with the spaceship in its eye, that's him. That's that's Melier. Um, and he wasn't... Well, he was a magician before he was a filmmaker. Aren't they the same, though? What? Being a magician and a filmmaker. I guess. Um, that's what they want you to believe. <laughs> that's what they want you to think. Um, but no, he was, uh, he was a magician before he was a filmmaker. Haunted Castle is one of the best examples of that. He was one of the most experimental filmmakers in a time when everything about filmmaking was inherently experimental. The medium was brand <laughs> new. But he, as a magician, he saw it as a way to further develop his illusions and to make them grander and more convincing. He didn't see it as like, oh, this is a way necessarily to tell stories he wanted to tell stories through performance and through magic but he wanted to use film as a way to make that more complex Mm -hmm. and haunted castle is all special effects that's all it is um it's all stop tricks it's using editing um to create appearances and disappearances and transformation and melier is the guy who invented stop tricks like this was not a thing that people did before him like he was the one who like realize that oh if i cut the camera and i change one thing about the scene like and i restart the camera it's going to look as though that thing has just appeared or disappeared or changed from one thing into another he was the guy who figured that out and i mean like as someone who's familiar with animation and who knows how hard that effect is to achieve in camera now with a century of evolving technology available like the film is so sophisticated and controlled and well planned out and that's only two examples uh the third now being lincoln and the bardo which i'm really glad you brought up yes um but what's interesting to me about these the ones that i found and that i did want to talk about um haunted castle and mustelaria they're both comedies so like with ghost stories and especially ghost stories told visually They have a very long history, not of just being horror, but of being funny and of being a thing that you can laugh at and like laugh at these pratfalls. And like, that's not new. It's a concept that dates back to at least 200 BC. And I don't super know what to make of that. Um, But it's just not really what I expected to find when I started researching ghost stories. I expected it to be a lot of like tales that you tell to make children not wander off at night you know like i expected it to be a lot more i guess religious or i don't know but it seems like people have just been telling interesting weird stories for a very long time and using ghosts as not really something scary not something to be like super duper afraid of but like something to kind of mock and to make fun of i don't know it's interesting the comedy perspective, because I hadn't actually thought of that. I don't 
think there's many modern films or books that are inherent comedies about hauntings. Yeah. At least I can't think of any. Maybe Scooby-Doo, but those aren't, like, real hauntings. Like, those always have a logical explanation for them. Right. I don't know. I really like the idea of ghosts as comedy. I think that it's... I think it needs to come back. Yeah, I think it's really delightful. I think that you should watch um, The Haunted Castle. I already have it pulled up. I'm ready. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, there's something really... There's something really delightful and disjointed about ghosts as pranksters and like poltergeists as mm-hmm. pranksters rather than like something that's actively trying to bring harm to innocent people yeah did you ever did you ever read those the books that were like scary stories to tell in the dark yeah they were really popular yeah and i think i mean we we like to be scared and we've made ghosts into mm-hmm. a thing that are scary and so it makes sense that like we keep making ghost stories that are scary and making you know things to scare ourselves and like we it we like to be scared in the same way that we like to go on roller coasters we like to incite that adrenal response it makes us feel good so it makes sense but like i don't know i think that it's i don't think it's the pinnacle. comedy makes you feel good too laugh laughing makes you feel good yeah that's true not as good not good in the not same way good. not as fast yeah and it's also like well, this is maybe personal, but this is something that I think is interesting. Um, I don't like horror movies. I don't enjoy being scared. Me um, or I like I always thought that I didn't I just didn't like the genre. It just wasn't for me. Um, and I didn't like any horror movies that I saw up until I watched A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which it's not a ghost story, it's a vampire story. It's a vampire western. That sounds amazing. It's absolutely incredible. You should watch it. So, I I was always like, "Oh, I hate scary movies like I hate jump scares I don't think that they're compelling I don't think like whatever like it's just not for me um I watched a girl walks home alone at night and I was like oh I get it because I am a young woman I am blonde I am you know like I am always the subject of horror films it's always me watching someone who looks somewhat like me be slaughtered senselessly on screen and that gets old real fast and then I watched this film and the vampire is a woman, and she only kills men. Nice. Exactly. Um, so, first of all, that's great. But second of all, <laughs> like I was like, I can be pleasantly scared of the ambiance that's being created here without being like, oh, as soon as I turn this off, I'm going to get murdered. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. It was being able to appreciate that sort of environment that's created by a horror film and by you know, being scared and being like, oh, what's going to happen next? What, what's what's going to happen without being like, that's a person that looks like me that's getting their throat ripped out, you know? Right, right. Yeah. We need like what we do in the shadows, but for ghosts. That's what we need. That's what the genre needs. Is there actually, is there, I feel like there must be a parody film out there of ghost hunters. Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters kind of is, yeah. Yeah, I we should address Ghostbusters. I hate Ghostbusters. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's interesting, and I don't want to talk about it. Next. <laughs> I saw it once. That's all. Yeah, it's not a great film. There was a new one with the women that happened, and I did not see that, and that's it. Well, yeah, that's uh, that was the pinnacle of feminism, so you missed it unfortunately damn it's all downhill from here Great. yep feels like it sometimes <laughs> true 
Do we do it? Do we do a podcast? I think we did. Um, Is there anything else you want to share? Where's my notes? Uh, no, I think that's what I kind of had for this week. Um, mostly that we ghosts should be funnier. Ghosts should be funnier and research should be real. Yes. And research should be funny and ghosts should be real. That too. Um, <laughs> thank you to She's a Spy uh, for writing the theme music for our show. Uh, you can find them on Spotify by searching She's a Spy and we love them. And you should listen to them if you haven't already. You can find us online at meetcutest.com and you can follow us on Twitter at meetcutest. Yeah, uh, and if you enjoyed the time you spent with us today, you can subscribe to us. Uh, We're hopefully going to be putting up new episodes every Tuesday, and hopefully by the time this is up, those are going to be going up on iTunes, uh, so you can subscribe to us there, and we would love to have you join us every week as we unpack a new topic uh, from the perspectives of art and science. So how are we, uh, what's our closer this week? You know, I just want to take a second, uh... To say thank God for Geodude. Praise be for Geodude. Yes. The real capital G. Uh, the man upstairs. We do this for you, big guy. We. What? What if God is an acronym for Geodude? <laughs> we'll be righteous back next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>